0: Hello, hello. This is Kathy Colas Audiobooks, and today we have episode five of Nags Head Murder by Joe C. Ellis. Angie is officially pregnant. She tells Joel all about the day's events and a really crazy dream. Mimi gets a disturbing call at midnight. Here we go. A test. On the way home, the drive across the mark Basnight Bridge and through the Pea Island National Wildlife Refuge helped to ease Angie's nerves. The long stretch of concrete and steel spanning the Oregon Inlet bothered some people, but the wide blue sky above and turbulent waters below made the passage seem transcendent. Of course, the beauty of Pea Island enchanted most people. Two-lane Route 12 divided the dunes and sea from the marshlands and sound, the perfect pathway to enjoy nature's artistry. You're awful quiet, Mimi said. It's been a long day. What's our next step? We've got to figure out what Olivia Crane knows about your friend there. Mimi patted Mr. CBP's head. That was a creepy encounter. Angie glanced at the skull. This whole day has creeped me out. Freya helped fill in a few blanks. Angie nodded. I'm amazed at what she said about crystal quartz and its memory capacities. When you think about it, crystals grow like living things. True. What seems odd is the possibility that a crystal skull can record what's going on around it. Maybe Olivia Crane can tap into Mr. CBP's memories. Maybe. How about you? Me? What about me? Mimi lifted the skull. I don't feel anything when I hold him, but you seem pretty sensitive. Andrew recalled the unsettling feeling she experienced on Monkey Island and at Wolf's store. I did get a weird sensation when we dug that thing up. The odd feeling we were being watched. I felt it several times today. There you go. Mr. Crystal Blue Persuasion projected his memories of the people connected to this cold case into your mind. When we get back to my store, you should have a sit-down with him. You know, one of those Vulcan mind melds. No, thanks. I'm going to drop you off and head straight home. I'm one Skull Tango away from losing it. Mimi laughed. You could always take him home with you and mind meld on your own time. Nope. He can hang out with you for now. Whatever. I want to find a safe place for him, though. Freya said he could be worth millions. We could forget this cold case, put him up for sale, and split the profits. That's a possibility. If he truly is one of the Ancient Thirteen, we'll be rolling in the clover. Angie chuckled. Right. We probably should try to prevent the apocalypse before we sell him, though. That way we can enjoy the proceeds. Decisions, decisions. Mimi raised the skull and gazed into its eye sockets. Mr. CBP, you sure have complicated our lives. Are you a path to evidence or opulence? Seriously, though, his value may have been a motive for Grandpa Rotag's murder. Do you feel safe keeping him? Only a handful of people know I have him. I can think of six you me the wolves and the cranes well, I trust Wes and Freya Olivia's wheelchair bound and her granddaughter's just a kid a kid she's a grown woman in her early 20s to me that's still a kid where will you keep the skull i'll put it under my bed nobody'll know he's there except you and me and him Mimi smiled Let's just hope Mr. CBP doesn't project his location to some diabolical ancient skull devotee. Angie grimaced. Let's hope not. Freya said the Maya used ancient skulls in their ceremonial rituals. Joel and I watched a documentary about those rituals. The Maya practiced human sacrifice. I know all about it. Back in the 90s, I'd spent a winter backpacking through Central America. Angie gave her a double take. Dip me in butter and roll me in cracker crumbs. Who the heck are you? You'd be surprised to hear about some of my adventures. I guess so. What did you learn about the Maya ceremonies? The high priest would cut the heart out of the victim while it was still beating. Then he would put a carved skull in the heart cavity. Angie put her hand to her chest. You better put that skull in a lead-lined box. Mimi snorted. I don't think crystal quartz is akin to kryptonite. I'll be fine. They drove for another thirty minutes without saying much. Passing through the small villages of Rodanthe, Waves, Salvo, and Avon brought back a sense of normalcy to Angie. People shopped, filled their gas tanks, walked, jogged, and greeted each other along the street and in front of the stores. A return to normalcy sounded good to her. A prescriptive path to ease the anxiety. I just want to go home, take a hot bath, relax, watch some Gilmore Girls, and wait for Joel to get home. At the south end of Buxton, Angie pulled into one of the few empty parking spaces in front of Mimi's bookstore. Looks busy. Who's minding the shop? Kathy Fields. She's a great gal. Knows books like a barista knows coffee. Don't tell her about the skull. Don't fret. I may be new at this investigation game, but I don't plan on making any rookie mistakes. Good. Maybe you'll make rookie of the year. Mimi tucked the skull under her Adidas jacket. Mr. CBP is going right into the back of my Jeep. She opened the door, stepped out of the truck, and faced Angie. Should I give Olivia Crane a call? Do you have her number? No, but it might be in the phone book. Angie shook her head. Let's just pay her a surprise visit tomorrow morning. We'll take the skull with us. Good idea. Mr. CBP might be able to get a foot in the door. It'll be one of ours. He doesn't have any feet. Right. We'll be his arms and legs. All he has to do is look good. What time tomorrow morning? I'll pick you up sometime after ten. I'll be here. Mimi closed the door and hurried around the right side of the store to where her Jeep Wrangler was parked in the rear. Angie backed the pickup onto Route 12 and headed north. Good looks. The thing is hideous. Glad he's not sleeping under my bed. She tried to shake the image of the skull out of the back of her mind, but it lingered like a fading shadow. What if he is worth millions? Does he belong to us? Finders keepers. I'm sure the U.S. Fish and Wildlife folks will kick up a fuss if they find out we dug him up on an island they own. But, oh, what a difference a few million bucks would make. Joel and I could focus on raising a family and take a break from the daily grind. As Angie approached Rocky Rollinson Road, she reached for the turn signal. Wait a second. I wanted to stop and get a pregnancy test. She regripped the wheel and continued up Route 12. Connor's supermarket should have them. After driving another few hundred yards, she made a left into the store's parking lot. Stepping out of the vehicle, she sensed a shift in the mood that had plagued her most of the day, from apprehension to anticipation. What if I am pregnant? It would be wonderful and exasperating. How would we make ends meet on a deputy's salary? Crystal-blue persuasion reappeared from the shadows of her mind. Maybe I should be nicer to that creepy skull. He could turn into a cash cow. After picking up a one-step pregnancy test, she headed home and filled the bathtub almost to the top with hot water. She slipped the shark's tooth out of her jeans pocket and laid it on the corner of the vanity. Wriggling her toes on her right foot, she shook her head. We can paddle a kayak to the island, she said. It'll be fun, she said. Yeah, right. I've had more fun getting my molars pulled. She took off her clothes, stepped into the tub, and soaked for a half an hour, falling asleep momentarily a few times. The bath rejuvenated her. She stood in front of the mirror above the sink and eyed her slim body. Patting her stomach, she said, Is it goodbye six-pack and hello baby bump? Only one way to find out. She picked up the pregnancy test box from the edge of the vanity and read the instructions on the back. Urinate in a clean, dry cup. Place the test wand on a flat surface. Using the dropper, pour three drops of urine into the sample well. If you are pregnant, two red lines will appear within three minutes. Angie nodded. Simple enough. She went through the steps, set the test wand next to the shark's tooth, and waited. The seconds ticked by like the drip of an old faucet. Will I be eating for two? Is there a pea in the pot? She took a deep breath, closed her eyes, and counted to sixty. She opened her eyes. Come on now, it's been at least two minutes. Two red lines appeared. Tin roof rusted! I'm pregnant! Her heart thumped against her ribcage. Oh, Joel will flip out. He won't get here until after midnight. Should I call him? No, I'll wait. I want to see his reaction in person. The rest of the day felt like a foggy dream. She watched several episodes of The Gilmore Girls on Netflix. As the familiar faces appeared and stories played out on the screen, her mind drifted to baby plans. Painting the spare bedroom, shopping for a crib, planning a shower, picking out names. Occasionally, flashes from the day's excursion infiltrated her happy thoughts. The snake attack, the osprey onslaught, the shark encounter, and the grinning skull. Every time the disconcerting images trespassed, the joy of bearing a child flooded over and washed them away. For dinner, she ate a heaping plate of leftover spaghetti and downed a large bowl of chocolate ice cream without feeling an ounce of guilt. Eating for two won't be a problem for me. A little after 10, she crawled into bed, exhausted. Within a few minutes, she was out. Her sleep, dark and dreamless, went uninterrupted for a long while until a fog developed, clouding the blackness. Slowly moving objects materialized within the fog. As she closed in on the scene, she made out two forms, Charlotte and Olivia Crane. Charlotte pushed her grandmother's wheelchair but halted in the middle of a two-lane road. Angie hit the brakes and skidded to a stop about ten feet in front of them. In the glare of the headlights, Charlotte turned the wheelchair to face Angie. Olivia Crane stood and staggered toward the ram pickup. She planted her hands on the hood of the truck and glared at Angie. You are a pretender. The blue skull does not belong to you. We are coming for the blue skull. She extended her hands. Give us the skull. The skin of the old woman's face began to shrink over her bone structure. The color of her complexion shifted from gray to blue. Her eyes sank into her head and became empty holes. She grinned, and the flesh around her mouth rotted and fell away. Her long black and gray streaked hair fell out, leaving only her skull. With her bony fists, she pounded on the hood of the truck. Angie opened her eyes and sat up in bed, her heart pounding. She heard thumps and footsteps. Somewhere in the house, a door opened. She shifted her legs from beneath the covers and sat on the edge of the mattress. The nightlight cast a weak glow over the nightstand to her right. She reached, eased out the drawer, and picked up her Colt 38 Special. Slowly standing, she tilted her head and listened. More muffled noises came from beyond the door. Someone is searching for that skull. Midnight Caller. She tiptoed to the door, turned the knob, and inched it open. The hallway was empty, but light sliced through a crack in the darkness. The bathroom. The noises grew louder. Someone is searching in the bathroom. With the gun aimed at the sliver of light, she edged down the hallway. Inhaling slowly, she tried to calm her pounding heart. When she reached the door, she took a deep breath, threw it open, pointed the gun at the intruder. Looming over the corner of the vanity stood her wide-eyed husband. Joel! He put up his hands. Don't shoot. I didn't mean to wake you. She lowered the gun. I'm so sorry. I thought someone broke into the house. He lowered his hands. Why? You knew I was getting home late. She shook her head. I had a bad dream. I'm still wound up. Geesh, you're jumpier than a cat on caffeine. What kind of dream? She closed her eyes and Olivia Crane's rotting face reappeared. One I want to forget. Anyway, I'm glad you're home. Me too. He examined the items on the sink counter. What in the world? Kind of a shocker, huh? The shark's tooth? She rolled her eyes. That was a shocker, but not the biggest jolt. Is that a pregnancy test? She nodded. Are you? She nodded again. He spread his arms. I'm going to be a dad? She placed the gun on the sink counter and stepped up to him. Yes, you're going to be a father. He wrapped his arms around her and pulled her tight against him. Wow! I'll say it backwards. Wow! This is incredible. Really? Of course! Our family's about to grow. But how are we going to afford it? He released her and stepped back. We'll find a way. My parents struggled to pay the bills when I was a kid, but we got by somehow. So did mine. We were lucky to make it from pay to pay. See, it's a family tradition. They embraced again, and Angie let out a deep sigh. I'm so glad you're not all shook up about this. Oh, I'm shook up all right, but it's a good shake-up. We'll figure out a way to keep the lights on. She gazed up at him. There is a possibility I may cash in big on this new case. Really? How big? A few million? Joe laughed, released his embrace, and stepped back. Very funny. You're kidding, right? She shrugged. Yes? Maybe? I'm not sure about anything at this point. Let's go out in the kitchen and get something to eat. You can tell me all about it. Good idea. I could go for another bowl of chocolate ice cream. Joel stepped back to the corner of the sink top, picked up the shark's tooth and test wand, and held them in the palm of his hand. Now, here are a couple of things that don't quite go together. Sure they do. She bobbed her head and sang, Baby shark, to-do, 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 baby shark, to-do, to-do, to-do. It's a kid's song. Once you start singing, you can't stop. Joel sang along as they shuffled down the hallway and into the kitchen. Have a seat, Joel said. You've had a long day. I'll dish out the ice cream. Angie plopped down on one of the yellow padded chairs, planted her elbows on the table, and propped her head in her hand. Three scoops, please. Three scoops coming up. Joel placed the shark's tooth and wand in front of her. You've told me about our baby. Now, tell me about the shark's tooth. Did you find it on Monkey Island? No, she picked up the tooth. It found me. Huh? Did you know there are bull sharks in the Currituck sound? Uh Uh-huh. They find their way over through one of the inlets to feed. I was on today's menu. Joel leaned on the table and met her gaze. Are you serious? I'm not kidding. Dish out the ice cream and I'll tell you all about it. After Joel scooped out two bowls of ice cream, he slid one in front of Angie and sat down. Between bites, she recounted the day's perils and pitfalls. She wondered if the weird clashes with the snake, osprey, and shark had something to do with the skull. Then she felt silly for even entertaining the notion. When she told him about Freya's insight into crystal skulls and the appraisal of Mr. CBP's possible value, his eyes grew wide and he let out a low whistle. She capped off her account by describing the odd encounter with Olivia and Charlotte Crane. Recalling the old woman's seemingly psychic knowledge of their exploits, Angie stiffened as chills shot through her. Of course, the ice cream intensified the sensation. Joel brushed the stubble on his chin with the back of his knuckles. Olivia Crane is either some kind of crystal skull mystic or possibly an accessory to a murder. Angie shrugged. Maybe both. Did you bring the skull home with you? No way. I left it with Mimi. Too bad. I'd like to take a look at it. I don't want that thing in this house. Mimi doesn't seem to mind at all. For some reason, it spooks me. Mimi thinks I have the gift. What do you mean? Freya told us some people can connect to the skull's memories. I get weird sensations when I'm around it. What makes it so valuable? Do you remember that documentary we watched on the History Channel about the Maya priests? Yeah, that was gruesome. They used skulls during their human sacrifice ceremonies. Any crystal skull more than a thousand years old is considered ancient and worth tons of money. Some people believe master craftsmen from the lost city of Atlantis carved 13 of them. And yours might be one of the 13? Olivia Crane thinks so. Joel nodded. So when you heard me stumbling around in the bathroom, you figured someone broke in to find the skull? Angie nodded. You never know what some crazy fanatic might do. Alan Parsons Project's Eye in the Sky instrumental played from the back bedroom. Joel checked his watch. Who could be calling you at one in the morning? Angie scooted out her chair and stood. I have a feeling things are about to get weirder. She hurried down the hallway and Joel followed. She flipped on the light, stepped to the dresser, picked up the phone and checked the caller ID. It's Mimi Roberts. She tapped the answer icon and put the phone to her ear. Hello? It's me. I know. What's up? Did somebody try to break in? No, Mr. CBP is fast asleep under my bed. Did I wake you? No. Are you okay? I'm a little hyped up. Sorry to call so late, but I couldn't sleep. What's the matter? I got a phone call at midnight. From who? Olivia Crane. What did she want? She invited us for lunch tomorrow at her beach house. I wonder why she called so late. I don't know. When I picked up the phone, I checked the time. It was exactly midnight. Very strange, but a fitting ending to this weird day. Look on the bright side. Now we've got an open door. Maybe we can find some answers. I'll pick you up at around 11 tomorrow, and we'll head over to Historic Cottage Row. There's something else. What? She wants us to bring the skull. And there you have it. Don't forget, on Wednesday we have episode five of Jerkwater by Jamie Zernt. To check out more of my work, go to my website at kathycolas.com. That's c a t h i c o l a s dot com. If you're an author looking to turn your book into an audiobook, email me at kathycolas at gmail.com. Let's talk. And if you like the podcast, please leave a review or share it on social media.